Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Sharon Preston Folta has spent a 30-plus year career in advertising sales and marketing, predominantly in the area of radio. She's worked with such companies as Fairchild Publications, WLNY in New York, ABC Disney, and CBS. She is currently a senior account executive at WUSF in public media in Tampa, Florida. She's also lived most of her life in the shadow of her father. Sharon became a published author with her memoir, which made public the private life of the jazz legend Louis Armstrong and Lucille Sweets Preston. Her, his mistress for over 21 years, and his child, their child, his only child. The documentary, Little Satchmo, based on Sharon's memoir, made its worldwide premiere in June of last year at the Thessaloniki Document Documentary Film Festival. Try to say that, the Thessaloniki Documentary Film Festival. <laughs> it is my pleasure to welcome to the microphone, to the storyteller microphone, Sharon Preston Folta. Good afternoon, Grace. How are you? I'm great, Sharon. Thank you for joining me and thank you for telling your story here on The Storytellers. So let me ask you, who is the only child of Louis Armstrong? To the best of my knowledge, for all of my life, it's been me. <laughs> that's that's you know, that's the life I've lived. That's what I've been um, raised as, and and that's what I know. You know, as I read your story, and I read your wonderful book, Little Satchmo, and I've seen your interviews. Every time you say it, it somehow catches my heart. You were not always allowed to say that you were Louis Armstrong and Lucille Sweets Preston's daughter. Absolutely Why not. Right. Why was that? Well, my father was married at the time uh, when uh, he and my mother began seeing each other, or as they put it, their friendship grew. And he was married to his fourth wife. My mother was recently widowed. So they knew each other in show business when she was part of the dance team with her husband, uh, Luther Slim Preston. And they were known as Slim and Sweets. And they used to be uh, the opening act for many of the larger shows. They traveled together, um, especially in the Chitlin circuit in the South. So all of the headliners and uh, acts like my mother and, and her husband were part of the uh, show along with singers. And they were friends. But when Slim passed away, uh, my father said to my mother, I'm supposed to take care of you. And my mother said, okay. And that began a change in their relationship. So mainly because he was married, they were not married. Um, that was the main reason for the secret. Also the times, it's not like in the 21st century, things like that do not matter. Back in the 1950s, that was a big deal. And, and I imagine it mattered not only for the time period, but also because Louis Armstrong was a black male in a different world of entertaining as well. Yes? Yes, 
that was a big part of it, as well as, you know, um, he was married. So. But you were an open secret. You weren't a public secret, but you were an open secret. You and your mom went to various shows. His wife, tell our listeners what his wife offered to do in terms of you as a child. Well, you know, you're right. We were an open secret and they, you know, made an arrangement where uh, Lucille knew about mom and I. We traveled with my father when I was uh, a young girl, four, five, six years old. And um, before I was, you know, even a toddler, Lucille wanted to adopt me, but my mother refused because that would have taken her completely out of the picture and taken her me away from her. And that's something that she did not want. You know, she wanted to raise me. She also believed and based on what my father had said to her that he was going to leave Lucille and marry her. So that's the hope that she held on to for years and years and years. And I saw an interview that you did with your mom. And she just sparkles when she talks about him. You know, I I will never fully understand it because living through her relationship with my father, I know she loved him dearly and I know it hurt her dearly when it just never turned out the way she thought it would be. But for all those years, she she loved him and loved him madly and protected him, fiercely protected him to the fault of her own and, and, you know, and, and for me as well. But, um, she was one of his biggest fans and all the way to the end of her life, whenever I would play his music, because I would, you know, um, play the, the Sinatra channel on Sirius XM, which featured my father a lot still does. And mom would, um, you know, especially towards the end of her life, just sit and listen to music. And every time she heard him, she just she just lit up. So she still remained in her heart. He was the greatest love of her life. And she did not want you to tell this story. So how come you told it now? Is her passing a, a factor in that? Well, no, I wrote the book uh, nine years ago. So she was um, she was alive, uh, just about turning 90. And when I uh, decided to write the book, you know, she was still very upset and felt I did not need to tell this story. She said, I had a good life. I had everything that I could want. And I said, no, I didn't. I did not have my acknowledgement. And she didn't see how that was important to be publicly acknowledged. Uh, as long as privately, he did acknowledge us. He took very good care of us financially. And um, she just never understood the importance. And, and, and I'm sure it had a lot to do with how she was raised and the fact that, you know, she pretty much came up in a single parent household. Her father was almost non-existent. So, um, it was upsetting to her, but finally she came around when I just kept insisting. And I, and I said to her, you realize that Lucille Armstrong signed an affidavit that said he had no children uh, in that affidavit. She said he didn't even adopt children, which is not true because he adopted his cousin's son. 
but she said he had no children. And my mother just didn't understand that. And she said, she knew about you. She wanted to adopt you. She sent payments. Why would she do that? And I said, mom, because she could. And that rendered me invisible. And I said, uh, no, that's not the legacy I want to leave for my grandchildren and, and their children. Your story is so compelling on so many levels. Um, first, you know, obviously the big draws you have this immensely famous dad, but the other side of it is just the human little girl who wants her dad to recognize her and, yeah. and be loved. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, that's really, uh, for me, that was the main motivation, you know, to acknowledge myself and take care of that little girl. The fact that my father, you know, is as famous as he is and an American icon highlights my story, but it's a universal story because I'm not the only young girl out there that has had that experience. So for me, it was important to acknowledge me and then bring the story out for other people to know that your life matters, you do have a voice, and to, you know, and to tell my story. So um, I felt it was important for my voice to be heard, for my healing, for my family's healing, so that when we talk about my father, it's not in a whisper or a hush or like there's something wrong. It, we're speaking about it the way it was. It's not the prettiest story, but it is our story. And we were a family, as fractured as we were, but we're not unusual in this world. And I can't tell you, can't begin to tell you how many people after seeing the film have talked to me about uh, and thanked me for being brave enough to tell my story and how it's helped them and they've shared details with me about their story. And that's, and that's really touched me. Having not yet seen the documentary, but having read the book, that doesn't surprise me. I was so immensely proud of you and I, and you and I have never met before today. Right. So I was so immensely proud that you stood up and could tell that story, especially because you were told to not tell it. So how has the telling of it changed you in your life and the documentary changed you in your life? Well, I have a new relationship with just shame. You know, it does not wear on me in the way that it did. Because if you live your life and just you're in shame, it prevents you from being your full self, from having joy, from um, just accepting what is, always wanting something else. But for me, confronting my story, and, and it was painful, especially in the writing of it, uh, that's, that's where the transformation really came because I kept thinking about the fantasy that I was giving. Uh, you know, my mother would say he's not with us because she would not give him a divorce. But mm -hmm. as I acknowledged my story, I realized my father was married four times. A fifth time was not a big deal. And that he was as much responsible as Lucille and my mother. And coming to terms with that and realizing that none of this was my fault, nothing that I could have done would have changed it. 
has just made me just feel uh, good about myself. Understanding you can un you can hear that you are worthy, but to really live in that worthiness, you know, just to come to that place. Writing the story has helped, and with the documentary, it just gives it a larger platform for people to hear that and and know that. So it it's a blessing for me to be seen and to help others for them to see themselves. Because you have been not seen, not just as a little girl, but well into adulthood. I, I read how you went to the Louis Armstrong home and how, my word, not yours, disorienting that was to be in a place that was his home that was different than the home you shared with him and your mom. Yeah, it was very, very hurtful. It, it was completely different from, you know, what mom and I had. Uh, and to also be in the home and they hook up a lot of his recordings because my father uh, was a Renaissance man in many ways. And he would record himself no matter where he was at any time. He loved his reel to reel tape recorder. And so there are several recordings of him just having conversations and to hear conversations with uh, Lucille and other people that weren't a part of my life with him. It, it just, um, you know, that, that made me sad. So it was hard and it, that his home looked so different from what mom and I had. Um, it, it just felt very strange being there. And of course, when I went, I went um, it, anonymously just on a, a tour and to have the young tour guy say that, you know, Lucia, uh, Louis and Lucille didn't have any children they had the neighborhood children and I'm standing right there in the living room. I just listened. I went, yeah, this is why I'm telling my story. And, th and this was before I wrote the book as well. Yeah. I, it has so many layers and is so um, powerfully, powerfully written. Um, did you have any doubts about ever writing it? I was concerned because I grew up just, you know, my mother would say he's a big man and it's for your safety, you know, we, that we keep this secret. And I was just uh, very concerned about, you, you know, I guess my safety in some way. As, I, I don't know if that sounds crazy, but that's that's what I grew up feeling, you know, one of the main reasons that we had to keep it secret as well. So funny story. Uh, when I was starting to do my research, I was directed to go read his will, which is where I discovered the affidavit. And it was uh, in the Queen's surrogate court because that's where he lived and died. And it was, uh, they were closed for half hour lunch and I sat in the lobby and I just felt that all eyes were on me. And when I asked for his will, I just felt that you know, somewhere, some authority was going to come out and say, who are you? I mean, that's the overwhelming feeling that I had. And of course, none of that was real. Um, it was just what I had been brought up with. So in the very beginning, it was really, really, you know, tough to work through that. But I just understood that was what they put in place. That wasn't the reality or and not my reality. Not your reality. And also going back to you were talking a moment ago about how your father 
love to record himself. You have an amazing gift, I think, given our time period. You have reels and reels of letters and um, conversations that he sent you and your mom, right? Yes. And I've donated all of that to the Library of Congress. So once the documentary was made, I wanted to make sure that that material was preserved and a part of history. And I, um, you know, applied and was and accepted uh, into the Library of Congress. And there is um, my donation is under my name, a collection of Louis Armstrong uh, materials. And it's it's there. So the recording, the the postcards, the the uh, letters that we had, and also uh, Western Union telegrams that he would send. You know what what remained, I donated to them, and I'm very proud of it. That is. I was there. going to ask you what happened to that. Um, was it hard to let it go? No, no, it wasn't because you know it, it's one thing to keep it within the family. But it really had meaning for my mother and myself, not for anyone else. And I didn't want those that memorabilia to get misconstrued or, you know, maybe sold to someone who wouldn't respect the materials or just get out. I, I wanted it to be respected because we may not have been a public part of his life, but we were a very important part of his life. He made sure that we were well cared for financially. Um, that uh, we wanted for nothing materially. He spent time with us, of course, not enough time and not all that we wanted, but we were a part of his life. And I felt that the Library of Congress was the best place, you know, and thankfully they felt so too and accepted the collection. I'm so I'm so glad it's there. First of all, it's one of the most beautiful buildings in the entire United States. Yeah. But such a treasure for that to be there um, right on Capitol Hill. Your book closes with a very, very poignant letter to your dad. And I reread it this morning. And I was so moved by the little girl who kind of starts out, but the grown woman who says, I'm now taking my place. Was that a hard part of the book to write? In a way, it was because I, uh, all throughout my life, I always wrote and spoke through my mother. So this was my first chance to speak to him directly. And it took me a while to kind of put it together. What did I want to say? but I was so thankful that I wrote it and I updated it a little bit for the documentary, but um, very thankful I wrote it. I am too. It was very powerful for me to read it. And in the letter, I think it's in the letter section of your book, you say that you're going to um, approach the Louis Armstrong foundation for my words again, recognition. Have you done that? And has that happened? Well, actually they reached out to me a year after the book was published and we had conversations uh, but they they just kind of stopped. And I realized that, you know, they are an organization keep uh, that was put in place to keep his memorabilia. It's not their recognition that I need. It was my recognition. And I so I've just moved forward and we've we've met 
and they have a copy of my book in their archives, and that's where it is. Sharon, your story is so important. And as I started out with so multi-tiered, what are something that you would like our listeners to know about you? Something a little quirky, another way to find you? What would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, one thing that my father did, uh, you know, by recording himself all the time and sending us audio letters and interjecting music within his, his speaking to us, it, it stuck with me. And I am a host uh, here in Sarasota on our community radio station. And just from hearing him and how he curated things, I do that myself. So I have my own radio program um, here in Sarasota. And I know that that's something that uh, I got just being around him. That's fabulous. I need to tune into your radio station. Sharon. Thank you for sharing your story, for being a great storyteller. This is a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Sharon, thank you so much. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.